0: Are you experiencing freedom from religion, the kind that once enslaved Saul of Tarsus? I'm talking about the kind of religion that tethered people to the Mosaic law as a means of achieving a right relationship with God. The book of Galatians argues that we are free from the law as an instrument of justification and that anything other than salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone is another gospel. Thus the Apostle Paul declared, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good.
1: can't get right with God by trying harder or doing better. There is only one way to be reconciled to God. And Dr. Ron Jones shares it with us next on this Monday edition of Something Good. Hi, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. And some 2,000 years ago, early in the Apostle Paul's ministry, a group of people known as the Judaizers had tainted the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote the book of Galatians, at least in part, to refute those false claims. Ron takes us there today as he continues his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Stay right here or visit somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the program on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with part two of his message, Galatians Freedom from religion.
0: Next, Paul reminds the Galatians that Abraham was justified by faith and faith alone. He says, So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. In other words, the same principle that applied to Abraham applies to us today. It's by faith, it was always by faith. It wasn't by Abraham's faith plus his circumcision. No, his circumcision came a long time later after, by faith, it was credited to him as righteousness. In the following verses, chapter 3, 10-14, Paul argues that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Uh, This was deep into their Old Testament psyche and their understanding. Anyone who is cursed, the Old Testament said, would hang on a tree. Uh, But Paul is arguing that the law condemns us. Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Uh, Here's a question for you. Have have you kept the Ten Commandments perfectly? If you think your salvation or your sanctification is by trying harder and doing better and keeping the Ten Commandments, how are you doing on that? I guarantee you, like me, you're not doing very well. You fall short of the glory of God and his standard, you know, time and again. And if you're not keeping it perfectly, according to the scriptures, you are cursed. You belong hanging on a tree. Unless you place your faith in Christ, who uh, took your curse upon the cross. Again, trying harder or doing better does not nullify the curse, is Paul's argument. What does? Well, he echoes from the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Remember when we were in Habakkuk in, I don't know, Road Trip 5 or something like that? And Habakkuk was the first that said these words, the just shall live by faith. It, it was that uh, phrase that the great reformer Martin Luther grabbed hold of in the early 1500s, and it sparked The Reformation. Luther, being a Catholic monk who was steeped in this system of doing better and trying harder to be right with God, he opens up his Bible for one of the first times and he reads, The the righteous, the just shall live by faith. That phrase echoes three times in the New Testament. Once in the book of Romans, the righteous is the emphasis. Then in the book of Galatians, shall live is the emphasis. And then a third time in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, by faith is the emphasis. It's always been that way. It's never about keeping a list of rules to somehow balance the good with the bad and then you'll get into heaven. The righteous shall live by faith, Paul says. Furthermore, he argues that the law, which came 430 years after Abraham, does not void the promise God made to him. In other words, the Mosaic law, which came long after Moses, did not change the way God justifies sinners. Under Abraham, it was always by faith. Some would say, well, then Moses came along. It was faith plus works. No, that was never the case, Paul says. Justification was always by faith and made immutable, unchangeable, by the promise of God. Then Paul asks an obvious question. Why then the law? What's the purpose of the Mosaic law? Not to mention the Ten Commandments. He says it was added because of transgressions. In other words, the law shows us our sin and our necessity for the grace of God by faith alone. It's just a standard by which righteousness is measured. And were it not for the law, were it not for the Ten Commandments, we would not even know that we had offended a holy God let alone know what his remedy was. Think of it this way. Without the Virginia traffic laws, you wouldn't know you have a lead foot. (laughs) And that driving 65 in a 55 breaks the law. Take the laws away, you don't even know that you're an offender. But the law doesn't save you. The law doesn't make you a good driver or a better driver. It's just that when you exceed the speed limit, Um, the police officer, the law authority, is justified in writing you a ticket, right? But the law doesn't save you. But when he writes the ticket, the law has fulfilled its duty and its purpose. Likewise, when we read the 10 commandments, the Mosaic law, all of that, and we realize, boy, do we fall short? Okay, the law has done its purpose. To then rely upon the keeping of the law to save you You're asking the law to do something it wasn't designed to do. This is Paul's argument. Likewise, the law performed its duty, holding us captive, Paul says, until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, Paul continues, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. He goes on to say, by faith we are, and I love how he introduces this theology, we are adopted sons of God and heirs of his promise, no longer slaves to the law or prisoners of it. In other words, as believers in Jesus Christ, we're not slaves to some list of rules, man made or otherwise. We're adopted sons and daughters uh, living freely in our relationship with Christ. In summary, Paul says in chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, we love to quote this at Christmas time. but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And then Paul adds uh, one more theological argument. I'll just touch on it briefly. It comes after he expresses his concern for the Galatians that they were living as slaves to the law. He then draws upon the Old Testament story of Hagar and Sarah. And he basically argues that by faith in Christ, uh, we we are descendants of the free woman, Sarah, not the slave woman, Hagar. We are descendants of the promised child, Isaac, not the child of bondage, which is Ishmael. He's getting deep into the weeds of uh, uh, their, their Jewish history and theology. Are you still with me? Because in chapters 5 and 6, Paul now discusses what life in the Spirit looks like. And until now, he has argued that the believer in Jesus Christ is free from the law as a means of justification. In other words, you don't get right with God by trying harder. Because the harder you try, the the more the law will condemn you. (laughs) Because nobody can fulfill it. Only Jesus Christ did. Paul says those who accept circumcision, those who say, okay, we'll just be more Jewish, have fallen away from grace, Paul says. The grace of God, the, the, the generous outpouring of God's free gift of salvation is at stake here. He says those who want to add to salvation or sanctification have fallen away From grace. We sing how amazing is grace. Well, it's not all that amazing to those who add to it. Because grace is is grace. It's, it's, It's free. It's bought and paid for. You don't add anything to it. However, our liberty in Christ does not set us free to indulge the flesh. Rather, true freedom from religion, listen to this, rejects both legalism on one extreme and licentious living on the other extreme, and is only possible to live in that beautiful middle by walking in the Spirit.
1: Still ahead, the rest of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Galatians, freedom from religion, right here on Something Good Radio. Somethinggoodradio.org is the place to go to hear any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, check out the new Something Good digital library, where you can search to find answers to your biblical questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. You can stream for free and on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Something good exists only through the faithful prayer and financial support of friends like you. And as our thank you for your gift to Something Good Radio today, Ron wants to bless you with a new digital resource that goes along with the series you're hearing now, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Ron has written an ebook based on the Pauline epistles and we'll give you access to this resource when you make a donation to Something Good. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org That's somethinggoodradio.org Or mail your gift to PO Box 6245 Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456 You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099 And now let's get back to Ron as he shares the rest of today's Something Good Radio message Galatians, Freedom from Religion
0: You see You may be listening to a message like this and erroneously conclude, I can live as I want to live. I'm not not under the law, I'm not bound by the law. I can live and let live and just whoop it up. Now that's the other extreme. It says you're you're not bound by the law in sanctification or salvation, but you're not free to just indulge the flesh. And he says pointedly in chapter five, if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law, but nor will you gratify the desires of the flesh. And he goes on to contrast life, a life that is led by the spirit and one that is controlled by the flesh. Look at it in uh, chapter five, beginning in verse uh, 19. He says, "Now the works of the flesh are evident. You want to know whether you're a child of God, but you're living by the flesh and not by the spirit?" See if this list or a portion of it are are true of you. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? And then he transitions, but the fruit of... Of the Spirit. We've heard this before, haven't we? Nine Christ-like characteristics that the Spirit of God forms in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says, against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. How do you come to Christ? By grace and through faith alone. You don't add anything to it. Your good works, your Sunday school attendance, your charitable donations, your charity toward your neighbors, none of that, none of it counts. In fact, the Old Testament prophet says it's all like filthy rags because God's standard is way up here. The law condemns us. It tells us we're lost sinners. But trying harder is not even the way to live the Christian life, friends. Paul's introducing something else here, life in the Spirit. And the same way you came to Christ, by grace and through faith alone in Christ alone, that's how you live the Christian life not by trying harder. You'll be so frustrated. A professor of mine used to say in seminary "The Christian life is not just difficult to live, it's impossible to live. And it is. It's just as hard, if not harder, than the Ten Commandments, nine of which were reiterated in the New Testament. But when you yield yourself to the Spirit of God, I mean, really give Him control. The Spirit of God who lives in you And who came to indwell you at the moment of salvation. When you give him all the authority that he possesses, but he's too much of a gentleman to take from you. Then he produces in you these wonderful Christ-like characteristics. Deeds of the flesh, that doesn't characterize you. Fruit of the Spirit. By the way, I look at that list of the fruit of the Spirit. Who wouldn't want to hang out with a person like that? Who wouldn't want to be married to a person like that? More and more, I point uh, couples, married couples that are in crisis to the fruit of the Spirit. And Catherine and I will look at those couples and one or the other of us will say, you work on you and you work on you. You get yourself right with God and in line with the Holy Spirit and let him produce these things in you and you do the same and you will become irresistibly attractive to one another because right now more of the deeds of the flesh are evident in your relationship and your marriage than the fruit of the Spirit. Stop pointing the fingers like this. You work on you. You work on you. And let the Spirit of God take over. That's how you live the Christian life. Paul continues by offering some practical instruction to those who are spiritual in chapter 6. Those who are walking in the Spirit, they bear one another's burdens, they share all good things, they're not deceived, they sow to the Spirit, not the flesh, they don't give up, they do good to everyone. Not because they're trying harder, because this is what the Spirit of God is producing in them. And then he concludes with one more jab at the Judaizers, and he does this as a warning to the Galatians. He says in chapter 6 and verse 13, For even those who are circumcised, that Jewish thing, do not, keep, do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. If I could put it in language we understand today, bondage to the law for thee but not for me was how the Judaizers spoke. They loved to enslave people with their list of rules but they don't keep the rules themselves. Friends, the loss of freedom is a serious matter in any generation, whether your name is Patrick Henry or the Apostle Paul. Nobody should be under a yoke of slavery, especially one that comes with religious shackles. How then should we live the Christian life? Well, the answer is the same way we came to Christ. It's by grace and through faith. And Paul says it best in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It's good to go back there and just remind ourselves and to commit this verse to memory. Say it with me again. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul knew the course his life should take. And he led others to do the same. The question is, what course will your Christian life take from this point forward? The try harder course? The do better course? And to make yourself feel better? The list that you impose on somebody else and telling them to do better and try harder? No. By grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. We love the song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And then there's a modern chorus that goes like this. My chains are gone. I've been set free. Now you understand the implication of that. The chains that shackled me to a salvation that's works-based, trying harder, doing better. That's religion, friends. That's not a relationship with Christ and a sanctification, a way to maintain my right standing before God and look more and more like Jesus, that still shackles you because it's based on try harder, do better. That's religion. No, walk in the Spirit, Paul says. You have all the resources you need inside of you in the person of the Holy Spirit to live victoriously and in liberty. Liberty. And so he says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery.
1: Thanks for being here for today's Something Good radio message, Galatians, Freedom from Religion. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, sometimes you hear people talking about the age of law and the age of grace. Two distinct time periods, Old Testament law and New Testament grace, as if they're mutually exclusive. But the law itself was an act of grace, was it not?
0: Absolutely it was, Brian. When Moses brought down those two stone tablets from Mount Sinai, uh, the Ten Commandments, he was carrying out a task that can only be attributed to the grace of God. We as believers in Christ uh, need to take hold of this truth. Even the law was an act of grace, and here's why. The law did at least two things for us. First, it revealed our sin You know, Brian, if God hadn't given us those two stone tablets, everyone would have gone a million miles outside the lines. And sometimes we still do. But without those clear lines drawn, there's no telling how far or how long we'd go. So that's the first thing the law did for us. It served as something like a fence or a wall or a posted speed limit, as I alluded to earlier, uh, something that gave us some boundaries. The second thing the law did for us was demonstrate our need for a Savior. It showed us very clearly just how sinful we are and how impossible it would be for us to earn our way to heaven. So the law gave us some accountability and restraint in the short term and pointed to our sin and our need for a Savior in the long term. Now let me once again be very clear. The law doesn't save you, it merely points out the fact that you need saving. Uh, this is a message we need to hear today every bit as much as Paul's original audience did. We are not good. We are not worthy. Trying harder or doing better is not a means by which anyone can be saved. Our best isn't good enough anyway. As the Apostle Paul says, if we could be saved that way, Christ died for nothing. So we need to be ever mindful that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone and in Christ alone not by our performance not by anything good in us we don't have to do anything at all other than believe that Jesus Christ already did it all we embrace that truth and that's when good news truly becomes good news and Brian it cannot be fully appreciated until it is fully understood
1: that's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts on salvation being by grace through faith in christ not by our own efforts well before we go ron how about telling us what's in store for us tomorrow as you continue your teaching series route 66 the ultimate road trip through the bible
0: well brian our next stop on the ultimate road trip through the bible is the book of ephesians now this epistle can be very neatly divided into two sections and i love the way paul laid out these six chapters the first three chapters are theological in nature and the final three chapters are practical in nature. Doctrine then duty, we like to say. Uh, What we believe and then how shall we live because of what we believe. Lots of good stuff here for all of us. Clear lines of practical application are drawn and, and they still resonate loudly and clearly for us today. That's where I'm headed next time as I continue in my teaching series, Route
1: 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Ephesians, basic Christianity. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.